live from inside your speakers, this is Hardcore Casual, your place for weekly gaming and entertainment news. Please welcome your host, Wack Ops. Greetings from Earth, this is not your leader, my name is Wack Ops. How you doing? Welcome to Hardcore Casual. Man, oh man, what a week. I'm so sorry about last week, honestly like the last two weeks. I've been off my game, I haven't came with energy like y'all expect, so expect this episode to be full of fun. Uh, we do have, obviously, some vegetables to eat. We got a couple of chores to do on the back end, but that's all right. The whole front part of the show is virtually all games, all announcements, all new. So I'm very, very excited to hop into it with you. Besides that, we also are going to be detailing what we saw at DC Fandom last week, just over last Saturday. And for our trigger warning topic of the week, it's going to be an update on the Activision Blizzard lawsuit, or lawsuits for that matter. But before we jump into all that, I do want to remind everybody that you can hit us on our socials on Twitter and Instagram. That's at WACOPS, W-H-A-C-K-O-P-Z. Otherwise, you can always contact the show with any questions or fan mail at our Gmail. That's WACOPS at gmail.com, W-H-A-C-K-O-P-Z at gmail.com. And of course, as always, don't forget to subscribe, share, download, and review. All of those things greatly help the show, greatly help us grow our community that you are now a part of. So thank you for listening. And without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into our headliners where we tell you what made the front page in games and entertainment this week. First things first, in my opinion, the biggest story that happened this week, Elden Ring has been delayed to February 25th of next year. Now, this comes to us via Elden Ring's official Twitter. What really made this such a big deal was the original date was, I believe, January 21st of 2022, but now it's in February alongside so many other titles that we were already worried about being able to get through in the month of February. It seems like Christmas is coming in February I would say most of these titles were supposed to be on this side of the uh, January 1 date. And I imagine a lot of these games are in February because they're trying to fit all these games in before the um, yearly uh, financial reports are due. So if they're trying to get it in the fiscal year of 2021, that date would be, I believe, March 1. So that makes sense for a lot of these companies. But let's run through what's actually coming out in February. Just to give you a refresher, on February 1st, we have Life is Strange Remastered Collection. On February 4th, we have Dying Light 2. Horizon Forbidden West is coming out February 18th. Destiny 2's expansion, The Witch Queen, is coming out February 22nd. Seafood, the much-anticipated martial arts indie AA game that everybody's been excited about, comes out February 22nd. And then, of course, Elden Ring and Saints Row both are coming out on February 25th. So, for all of you gamers out there who are interested in RPG, action RPG games, this is a hell of a tough choice you have to make. And, of course, there's overlap in the Life is Strange community. I I imagine a lot of people are going to try out Sifu. But I feel like some of these games might end up trying to release maybe earlier to try and avoid this big window because, I mean, obviously everybody knows Horizon Forbidden West is a huge piece on the board. Having Elden Ring come out right near Destiny and Saints, it's just, 
It's ugly. It's ugly. We have a lot of tough decisions to make all of us come February, no matter what platform you're playing on. But with that, with one game update, one game delay, we also got quite a few other game updates that I want to run through real quick. The first one starts with Battlefield 2042. Uh, They had a trailer where they revealed a new specialist, five new specialists, I believe. And I thought it was really dope because it got me back excited about the game. I am not ignoring all of the criticism and, quite frankly, all the bugginess and the, I guess, the lack of cohesion that I saw in the beta. But I'm I'm still, that, that trailer definitely got me more excited than the base four specialist that we got at the start of the game, or at the start of the beta, excuse me. Um, we also got some news on Saints Row. Saints Row highlighted their criminal ventures gameplay. So that's essentially, they walk through how you're going to be building your criminal empire via all these small different mission sets or mini games that you're going to be playing to build up various businesses and take over the city. Great look at gameplay. It definitely looks better than the last time we saw it. I hope that the Saints Row fan base uh, reacts well to it because I think the reboot definitely is rubbing some legacy fans the wrong way. But as somebody who's not a legacy fan and who's new would be new to the franchise, I'm very excited. It looks like a lot of dumb fun, a lot of silly antics. And I think anybody who's been toughing it out the last like year and a half, two years, probably wants to play something silly and fun that isn't GTA 5 or GTA Online because Lord knows most of us have played those already. Some other news that we got came from Tina Tiny's Wonderland. They did a quick little trailer on two of the multiple uh, playable classes that you're going to be able to play as. Um, One was like a sneaky roguelike character and another was like a heavy axe wielding kind of character. So definitely look into that if you're interested in the Borderlands franchise or if you're interested in this fantasy take on a classic looter shooter. Um, I definitely think the art style kind of fits this I guess, middle genre between fantasy and shooter gameplay. Very curious to see how this one is received once it comes out. I believe that's coming out in March or in April, but don't quote me on that quite yet. Next, we're going to go ahead and talk about the DC Fandome games that they went ahead and gave us a look at uh, this last Saturday. We are going to be getting into the movies in the real segment, so definitely stick around for that. The first thing they showed off was Gotham Knights. Gotham Knights, uh, they gave us a story trailer. Again, they didn't show us a lot of gameplay. That's okay. Because the trailer was the Court of Owls story trailer. Very, very excited for that. For anybody who's a fan of the comic books, probably know about the Court of Owls. And if you don't, definitely go check those out. They have an amazing storyline. And it is creepy as hell. Uh, I love what they do with the Batman lore. I love what a lot of games have done with the Batman lore, specifically this uh, Arkham series. Uh, The story looks great, but honestly, I just hope that the gameplay looks as good as the story does, or at least better than what we saw last time, because it did look a little dated at at best. I'll say I hope they don't stick to the exact same mechanics that they've been relying on for uh, this entire series. Next, they showed us Suicide Squad kill the justice league now this looks awesome again still no gameplay but that's okay because this looks fun as hell it was cinematic uh story-based trailer and honestly this got me really hyped really hyped like 
if it wasn't for Spider-Man, this would probably be like my number one superhero game that I'm looking forward to that has yet to come out, especially when you have um, Marvel's uh, Midnight Suns coming out in March. I'm definitely curious to see how all these games are received before Spider-Man comes out and basically blows all these games out of the water, assumedly, assumedly. But that is enough of our headliners. I just wanted to run through all the different games news that we got this week because it actually was quite a bit that got talked about this week that I think a lot of people missed out on. Next, let's go ahead and jump into our Word on the Street segment where we talk rumors, gossip, and controversy. Let's go ahead and start with the reseller market. Now, this time you would think I'd be talking about consoles, but no, this time we're talking about mini fridges because apparently the Xbox mini fridges have been gutted by the reseller market. This is according to IGN. N64 and Sega controllers are also the Sega Genesis wireless controllers that are being released alongside the expansion pass to Nintendo Online also are being sold at two times at least MSRP. Maybe not the Sega Genesis controller. That People are pushing that up. They're trying to get double for it, but it doesn't seem to be taken. But I definitely saw some Xbox mini fridges being sold for $250, $275. And for the Nintendo 64 controller, I think we saw about $175, $150. Uh, not base price. Those are the high numbers. But yet and still, if you're trying to get one of these, I definitely suggest you don't support the reseller market. But I definitely understand if you're a collector and some of these things are things you wanted. I definitely wanted an Xbox mini fridge, but I was 19 minutes late. So there you go. Hopefully restocks will happen and hopefully they will have some in store uh, for real people to come and buy. Next, let's go ahead and jump into a story that we had talked about last week. It was all about EA and FIFA. And it looks more and more by the day that EA might actually end up losing the FIFA name. Now, this is actually according to FIFA. I'm pulling directly from their website. They had, re they had put out a statement directly addressing this issue. Quote, FIFA will adopt a new commercial positioning in gaming and esports to ensure that it is best placed to make decisions that benefit all football stakeholders. FIFA is bullish and excited about the future in gaming and esports for football, and it is clear that it needs to be a space that is occupied by more than one party controlling all rights, end quote. Now, that is definitely a hell of a shot at EA. I, I read that loud and clear, but let's not forget that FIFA is asking and seeking four years and $1 billion for their naming rights. That is a crazy number. $250 million a year for a yearly release is no joke. That is the bulk of the cost, which makes sense. But I think it's important to remember that like FIFA, just the name, isn't enough to carry everything. They still have to get the owners and all the ball clubs involved. And EA already has those deals locked down as an exclusive. So EA has signed these different ball clubs to exclusive deals. So let's see what FIFA can do with their deals in esports and with their naming rights and see if they can pull down $250 million out of the space uh, rather than having an exclusive deal with EA. And I think it may take some time to get off of the ground, but hopefully this leads to more competition in the sports sim gaming space. I'm definitely rooting for FIFA in this way, 
because hopefully if FIFA can go out there and get more money without relying solely on EA, then maybe Madden can do the same. And maybe NBA can stop relying solely on 2K for their games and we can get multiple games on different deals. I I think that is an exciting future. I miss the diversity in gaming uh, that we used to have. But let's go ahead and move on into our next story, which is all about apparently Ubisoft greenlighting a new mainline Splinter Cell game. This is according to VGC. So this would be the first Splinter Cell game, mainline Splinter Cell game, in nearly a decade. Obviously, they have the mobile games and they put Sam Fisher in all kinds of weird positions. I think that he was in a Netflix show or something like that. But the last Splinter Cell mainline title that they had was Splinter Cell Blacklist in 2013. Now, fans are as excited as they are nervous for really one reason, and that's because it's Ubisoft. And Ubisoft in the last couple of years has really shown what they value, and that's money. They've tried to find a way to make almost every one of their titles uh, live service-esque. I won't say entirely live service, but the microtransactions definitely hurt their cause. And the fact that they put out so many free-to-play Battle Royale games recently, it's just... It's very concerning, and I understand, and I feel for Splinter Cell fans, because it must be bittersweet to hear from Ubisoft after all these years that they're finally ready to invest after they've bungled every other franchise, and they're just coming for your franchise next. But there is a little bit of hope. And there, you know, it's confusing because, honestly, the original creator should be working on the Splinter Cell title, but the game is not being developed by... Ubisoft Montreal, but by an unnamed outside studio. So hopefully, I and I heard this from Jake Baldino. I thought it was a good take. Hopefully, with a smaller budget, but a very excited team, they can make a really good smaller game that is dedicated to the spirit of the game, rather than giving it this big budget and then having to justify that big budget by monetizing it and having the game have a long tail, having it be one of these evergreen games that don't always pan out. And quite frankly, Ubisoft hasn't had a lot of success with outside of obviously like Rainbow Six Siege and and things like that. But neither here nor there, I have big hopes for the Splinter Cell game uh, that is apparently could be coming out as soon as 2022. But with that, we're going to go ahead and jump into our first break. And when we come back, we're going to jump right into the real with Marvel and DC news and talk about the platform wars and what's going on with Sony and Microsoft. But until then, my name is Wack Ops and this is Hardcore Casual. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Hardcore Casual. Let's go ahead and jump into our next segment, and that is The Real, where we break down the latest in movie and TV news. We're going to go ahead and start where we always start, and that is with Marvel, because Variety dropped a bomb on us this week. Apparently, Marvel has delayed all of Phase 4. So, I'm going to be reading you some quotes from Variety as it pertains to this quote. 
Disney has delayed release plans for several upcoming films, including Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, moved from March 25th to May 6th. Thor Love and Thunder moved from May 6th to July 8th. Black Panther Wakanda Forever moved from July 8th to November 11th. The Marvels has been postponed to early 2023. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania has been bumped from February 17th to July 28th, 2023. And this is another quote from Variety. Along with the deluge of Marvel delays, Disney has moved the fifth Indiana Jones installment back nearly a year. The still-untitled film, starring Harrison Ford as the fedora-wearing, swashbuckling archaeologist, will open June 30th, 2023, instead of July 29th, 2022. Whoa, this was uh, big. I mean, I'm glad that Disney and Marvel had the sense to go ahead and just let this out, this news out, uh, as one big block. And they were smart enough to do it the week that we were all looking at DC and DC fandom. They went ahead and bumped every single release that they have on the schedule. That is not this year. The Eternals and Spider-Man is not moving. That is not moving. But everything in 2022 has been pushed. So that means we're going to have like six months between Spider-Man and Doctor Strange. That sucks. Uh, Especially because I think they're definitely doing a big opening to Phase 4 if you're not talking about the Disney Plus shows. And a lot of people were going around like, why are they doing this? Why are they doing this? And everybody knows the answer. It's the COVID effect. It's the COVID domino effect, quite frankly. I think there is definitely a production schedule that they'd like to adhere to, and more than that, a marketing schedule that they'd like to adhere to. And if they're not going to be able to release these titles in the sequence and in the rhythm that they're able to, they're just going to push the whole thing back. Uh, I think that's a smart business move. Am I disappointed? Absolutely. But I think if it keeps others safe and it keeps, if it keeps others safe and it keeps us getting the films coming out in a way that feels right, you know what I mean? Because the release schedule, I feel like is just as much a part of the storyline as the stories are. You know what I mean? You play them out of order. They don't make sense. Or you give too big a gaps. You can lose some of the excitement. So I understand. But that's enough of the the sad movie news. Let's go ahead and jump into this DC fandom. I know I'm a week late on it, but that's all right. I needed to give my little twos and fews about it because I'm very, very excited about this. I do not get to talk about Batman very often as a big Batman fan, but we'll we'll save that for last. First, what they showed us was a sneak preview and our first look, not only at Dr. Fate, Hawkman, Cyclone, and Adam Smasher, but Dwayne Johnson as Black Adam. I'm very excited for this because I think Black Adam, I like anti-heroes, and I think DC has really good, uh, I guess, like moral dilemma characters. Marvel does too, but I definitely like Black Adam. I need to do more reading on Black Adam myself as he is a Shazam uh, villain, and I'm not a big reader in in a Shazam, but I definitely am excited for this because I love the esoteric magic based comic book characters. And turns out like the movie looks brutal. I hope it's as brutal as it looks kind of the way like Batman V Superman was brutal. I hope it's, it's kind of dark 
like that. Um, and then, of course, we have a scheduled release date of July 29th, 2022. Next, they went ahead and gave us a look at the Peacemaker HBO Max show directed by James Gunn. Very, very funny, very cheesy, college humor kind of show, heartwarming element. I'm excited to see John Cena because I think he was just made for this role. Like, it's it's perfect for him. He's already just Peacemaker to me. I don't even notice his other roles as much. And I hope that they're not asking him to carry too much in this show. Not that I don't have faith that John Cena can do his thing as Peacemaker, but I hope that the supporting cast definitely uh, brings some acting chops and they give us something a little bit more than, you know, dick and fart jokes, essentially. Though I know that's going to be a bulk of the series. So definitely come and check that out on HBO Max. uh, And that's releasing on January 13th, 2022. So I'm probably going to be checking that out. But I'll be honest, if it doesn't grab me in the first three episodes, I might fall off of it. It can happen. It definitely can happen. Next, let's go ahead and get into the heavy hitters. They showed us finally some footage of The Flash. We got a sneak peek at Michael Keaton's reprisal as Batman, which of course, honestly, in the Flash movie is kind of the headline, which is a little disappointing, but I understand. And it's based on the, or loosely based on the Flashpoint storyline. If you know about the Flashpoint storyline, then there are probably some key details that are going to be changed that might bother you. I don't believe that a reverse Flash is the villain in this film, uh, but I don't know that they have stated explicitly that he is not. What we did see in the in the trailer, which I do suggest you go watch, we saw multiple flashes from different universes. So that was really cool. We also saw, of course, Michael Keaton's Batman. We saw Flash. He finally got his gold boots and his his suit looks really cool, really futuristic and high tech. Honestly, I just want a release date. I hope they haven't telegraphed their punch too much. I feel like COVID really messed things up for them because they had announced this and now we've been holding our breath for so long that seeing that the release date is, quote, in production, that is definitely disheartening because I feel like I'm going to want to see this movie if I don't see it by like this time next year or maybe Christmas of next year, I won't care that much about the Flash movie. And that's disappointing. I think this Flash movie can be really good if they give it room to and they don't make the storyline too complicated. But let's go ahead and get to the main event. And that was our second look at the Batman. That is Matt Reeves, the Batman, of course, played by Robert Pattinson, or Pattinson as he's been referred to as of late. We got two things. First, we got our second trailer, but we also got a behind-the-scenes look at the film. It is very dark, very violent, and I'm getting Zodiac Killer vibes. That's the, the popular kind of opinion I've seen out there. A lot of people are saying it feels very reminiscent of that film, if you've seen it. I'm really excited because, one, I'm tired of Batman origin stories. I've seen Batman's origin story. Everybody knows Batman's origin story to some degree. You know, base details. I would say more than almost any other comic book character short of Superman and Spider-Man. But this one is going to be based on a year two Batman, a young out-of-control Batman. Very excited to see him learn some hard lessons 
as Batman because those are always my favorite comics. When Batman loses something or, or he has to really make some tough sacrifices and learn a tough lesson from one of the villains in the film. We also hopefully are going to be getting some villain origins within this film for Oswald Cobblepot or the Penguin, as he's better known, Edward Nigma or the Riddler, um, which I believe he's going to be the big bad of the film. But again, who knows? There's always room for a twist within a Batman movie. And of course, we get Selina Kyle, who is yet to become Catwoman. Again, no one is their persona quite yet at the start of the film that I know of, except for, of course, the Batman. James Gordon is being played by a black man. That's really cool. Andy Serkis playing Alfred. That's pretty cool. I'm I'm excited, man. I'm excited. Zoe Kravitz is as uh, Selena Kyle. I don't know. I'm oddly very excited for this film because I feel like people are underestimating it. But I understand that they could totally whiff this too. Because I've gone back and I've looked at Matt Reeves' uh, filmography. And I don't like a lot of the movies on there. You know what I mean? And popular ones. I get everybody likes Cloverfield. I, I really don't like that one. I'm hoping that from what I've seen that I have liked of him, he can bring that element and leave kind of some of the more extra out, drawn out portions of his filmmaking out of it. But I don't know. It looks very noir and I can't wait. I love noir Batman. I love the more toned down, less, less Adam West. You know what I mean? No offense. Of course, I gotta show love to the OGs, but I, that that pop comic vibe, that's not really what I'm here for. I'm here for the creepy. I'm here for the dark. So I can't wait for Batman to come out. Of course, the release date is March 4th, 2022. I hope and pray that this does not get delayed with all these delays in games and movies. I'm nervous, but if it does come out on March 4th, 2022, best believe I will be in line. I will be at the theater's day one i don't care if i gotta call out of work or delay the podcast i'll be there you can you can quote me on that if it's batman week podcast might be coming out a little late you've been warned but let's go ahead and move on into the platform wars where we keep a pulse on the major platforms in the gaming space and where they are headed to next we're gonna go ahead and start with sony playstation last week we didn't have a lot of news about playstation but this week They gave us quite a bit to chew on, starting first with an announcement that God of War 2018 is coming to PC on January 14th of next year. I'm very excited for, one, the PC gaming community, and two, I'm happy because all of the people who are mad that Sony is trying to get their money from PC gamers because they just woke up and realized that there's money out there to be made— yeah, I think you're being silly. That I call this segment, the platform war segment, to be cheeky. I, I don't I competition is a good thing, and I don't want Sony to just beat up on Xbox to beat up on Nintendo or nothing else like that. But with that said, in the celebration of competition, let's go ahead and jump into the next one, which is PS5's dethroning of the Nintendo Switch on the NPD sales charts in the United States. This is according to Forbes. Quote. After 33 straight months of being the best-selling video game console by units in the U.S., NPD numbers, the Nintendo Switch has had its streak snapped by Sony PlayStation 5. For the first time, PS5 is the leader in both total dollars sold 
but at the same time for total units sold. As the NPD's Matt Piscatella notes, this is the first time since September 2018 that any hardware has led the switch in unit sales, as the last to do so was the PS4 back then. So a big round of applause to Sony. I'm really happy to see um, this change, this shift. I'm excited for PS5 and Sony fans. Hopefully this fuels the next generation of fantastic titles that they tend to put out. And let's hope that Xbox can get their act together and start getting in this race. Uh, I doubt Nintendo's ever going to be in third place, um, especially because Xbox does not so well in Japan. And so they pretty much have the East on lock uh, between Sony and Nintendo. But I'm excited to see Sony pass Nintendo uh, knowing their history with each other. But that is for another time. Let's go ahead and jump into this next one, and that is Sony versus D-Brand. A little bit of a little bit of spice from Sony this week. Uh, a, a whole lot of spice from D-Brand this week. So if you don't know, D-Brand is known for skins and faceplates and things like that, customization options for your consoles and phones, and they have just put out new faceplates for PS5. Now, just a little while ago, they had put out the initial PS5 face plates. They called them PS5 dark plates. And it said, their, their tagline, and this is real, quote, PS5 dark plates, go ahead, sue us. That was their marketing ploy, right? Well, watch how this escalates. Sony recently shut down a number of different companies for PS5 face plates. After Sony sent out a cease and desist to dbrand, dbrand used this cease and desist letter as marketing material promoting a quote not illegal dark plates 2.0. They cut off the collar of the design and they claim that, you know, Sony has no right to cease and desist even though Sony is claiming trademark infringement. Now, this has been a spicy marketing strategy. If you have not checked it out, please check out dbrand's website and just go look at this ad for the new PS5 Dark Plates 2.0 because it's absolutely hilarious. I'm not going to read quote for quote because it's quite long, but they did a great job of really thumbing their nose at Sony on this particular issue. And, and I'll admit, it's hilarious, but on a more serious note, it could have fairly large implications for proprietary customization options for consoles who knows maybe instead of having to buy a special edition whatever xbox ps5 or or a nintendo product if dbrand wins in court assuming it even goes that far that i this even that is a stretch it could open up a whole new market of console customization that is exciting to me instead of having to buy a special edition being able to go out and buy a, a you know a vanilla console and be able to customize it yourself without having to worry about damaging your console or having to buy some from, from some shady place i really would like to see a little more freedom and a little less ubiquity amongst the console space kind of like what we see in the pc space Obviously, it's not going to be that modular, but uh, yet. But I, I'm excited to see what people do with this generation of consoles, and maybe that's one of the ways that we push the next console forward, the next generation that comes after this in three, four, five years, 
what are we going to be asking for next? Because I think resolution might be, we might have peaked on that front. Anyway, moving on, let's go ahead and jump into Microsoft Xbox news. First things first, we got a little announcement. Xbox announced some new Seagate expansion card options. This is reporting done by The Verge. Initially, they had a one terabyte, basically memory card to expand your internal storage, the SSD. It was one terabyte for $219.99. Quite expensive, if you ask me why I didn't get it. But they also just announced two other options, a 512 gigabyte for $139.99 and a two terabyte for $399.99. These are all from Seagate. I'll be honest with you, for those of you who aren't in the PC space and don't know how to shop for SSD, two terabytes for 400 bucks is pretty, that's pretty pricey. That's, that's pretty serious. It's a, a chunk of change. So that, that is not great to see. Uh, I understand that it's proprietary and I'm, I'm kind of excited to see how this pushes people toward other options or to find a way to make something that works that is a little more consumer friendly. I don't like seeing this, but after seeing what's been going on with the SSD over on the Sony side, I I honestly probably would rather be on the Sony side, but I do understand many people who just want to plug and play. It there's not even formatting involved. You literally just plug it in and it's working. But yeah, that's definitely interesting to see that Xbox and Seagate are trying to get $400 for two terabytes of SSD storage. I would suggest if you are running low on storage to go ahead and get what I got, a WD Black. I'm not sponsored by them or nothing like that. I'm just giving you some regular guy advice. I went and got a five terabyte WD Black, like Xbox branded hard drive, not a SSD, but a hard drive. And five terabytes cost me like 120 bucks. And then after that, I'm able to download all the Xbox Series X games to my hard drive. I can't play them off of there, but transferring them from my hard drive to my console is so much faster than my personal, my download speeds, that to me, having it on the hard drive is as good as having it in hand. I might have to wait 30 minutes to play a game, but that's fine. You know what I mean? Instead of having to wait a whole day to download some chunky 150 gigabyte game so that's what i would suggest to you if you're looking for storage options see if you can wait out until this price drops a little bit uh assuming it will who knows maybe this uh crisis with the chip shortage is definitely i i could see it affecting these prices as well both with demand and the supply side but enough supply and demand talk <laughs> enough of the price model talk let's go ahead and jump into one of xbox's big announcements for this week and that is the 20th anniversary event now this is a quote directly from the xbox wire blog quote we invite you to join us on november 15th to celebrate the 20th anniversary of xbox and halo with a fun digital broadcast for fans around the globe while we won't announce any new games this anniversary broadcast will be a special look back at 20 years of Xbox. We'll share more details soon, so stay tuned. Very excited to see what they got cooking. Because I think anytime a company, anytime 
a company, especially a marketing material, specifies that much and say, while we won't show any new games, there's some speculation out there that they could be talking about some good old-fashioned backwards combat and bringing back some games from every generation, the Xbox, the Xbox 360, and, you know, gloss over the Xbox One, both because it just happened and many of your customer base are still stuck with it because I can't find the new console, but that's beside the point. Very excited for November 15th. I can't wait to see what Xbox has for us. I'm definitely going to be watching that live. And they also announced alongside this four games that are coming to us over the next couple of months to Game Pass, and that is Age of Empires 4. They also are bringing Minecraft to PC in case you're one of the four people who haven't played Minecraft on PC or on the numerous platforms it's found on. Microsoft Flight Sim Game of the Year Edition is going to be coming to consoles and PC. Very excited for that to get some extra content for Flight Sim. I just started that up. Very fun game. I definitely suggest it. And finally, they are going to be bringing Halo Infinite to Game Pass, which of course we already knew, but it's nice to see that reaffirmed. And in our last Xbox story today, let's go ahead and talk about Xbox Game Pass growth. Now, this is brought to us by none other than Venture Beats Jeff Grubb, Mr. Video Game News himself. Quote, the subscription service saw a 38% increase in total subscribers compared to Microsoft's last fiscal year. While that is impressive growth for a year without a Halo-like exclusive, it does come up short for Microsoft's internal target of 48% growth. And this illustrates how important those major blockbuster releases are to Game Pass, and it shows why the company has spent so much on acquisitions. The article later continues, In fiscal 2020, Xbox Game Pass grew 86%, which outpaced internal target of 71%. So, yes, this is uh, disappointing for Xbox, but I think it is amazing that they're getting that kind of year-over-year growth. Of course, they want to be growing faster, but I think it is impossible to predict uh, like consumer behavior while inflation is super high and the pandemic's going on and unemployment and this and that. You name a reason uh, for any of my adult uh, you know, listeners, you probably know what I'm talking about. And for any of my younger listeners, just take our word for it. It is crazy outside. So I'm excited to see some hard numbers if we ever get those. Hopefully, Microsoft will give us some hard numbers once they break a certain milestone. I say once they hit 100 million subscribers, we will probably hear that announcement just to flex on Sony and let them know how far behind they are. But with that, we're going to go ahead and jump into our second break. And when we come back, we're going to get into the trigger warning topic of the week. We're talking all about Activision and giving you the latest on what news just dropped as of today, the day of this recording. So stay tuned and we'll be back. My name is Wack Ops and this is Hardcore Casual. Okay, guys, welcome back. Thank you for staying tuned for the back third of the show. I know it gets serious on this side, but we're going to go ahead and jump into the trigger warning topic. If you're new, trigger warning is where we dissect, deep dive, and discuss one story that deserves more attention. And this week, like many weeks, 
we are going to be talking about Activision Blizzard and give you a little update on what's been going on in the multiple investigations and lawsuits against them currently. So I'm going to be reading to you from a Washington Post article headlined, quote, Activision Blizzard asked to pause harassment lawsuit citing dispute between two government agencies. That's right. Activision Blizzard is trying to get away with some of their misdeeds because two government agencies can't seem to agree on uh, how the legal process should go forward. So let's go ahead and jump into what the beef is. So like I said, Activision had filed uh, asking to pause the harassment lawsuit. This is a quote from Washington Post. Quote, the filing also asked to pause proceedings to examine alleged ethical violations by the DFEH, including that it hired lawyers from another government agency already investigating Activision Blizzard. So there's two separate investigations. The one that they're referring to before, not the DFEH, was the EEOC. Both of these agencies have jurisdiction to investigate Activision Blizzard for workplace harassment, and both investigations launched in 2018. The DFEH is a California, thusly a state agency, and the EEOC is a federal one. Now, just recently last month, the EEOC had agreed to settle with Activision Blizzard uh, with their investigation for $18 million. Now, the DFEH definitely came with a pro had a problem with that quote the conflict had worsened over a disagreement with how much victims should be paid the concern that if the eeoc were to settle with activision blizzard on a federal level it could bar the dfeh from being able to pursue further damages in the state court level so basically the dfeh felt like they can get more money for the victims of their investigation but the EEOC is pigeonholing their investigation by settling with this company at a federal level for a low amount of money like $18 million. Now, again, a low amount of money like $18 million because of the price of Activision Blizzard. They're worth however many billions of dollars. They're worth like half a trillion dollars. So $18 million is like a drop in the bucket. They're paying court fees. So it definitely hits home. The DFEH had a point, but, as I'll continue, quote, further fueling the interagency dispute, the EOC pointed out in its October 8th filing that two lawyers from its investigation who helped direct the investigation into Activision Blizzard then went on to work in leadership roles at the DFEH. The commission alleges that these lawyers took their work with them without permission, the lawyers' names are redacted from the court filing. <sighs> so for those of you that don't know, if you're a lawyer and you investigate a company, you can't go to another job and investigate that same company again with the evidence that you got from a previous investigation. Uh, that's not really how the legal system works. So the DFEH's entire legal team could potentially be barred from the lawsuit and basically causing them to start from square one. This undermines their investigation, calls into question whether there will be any justice done for the alleged victims of Activision Blizzard, and it opens the door for Activision Blizzard to walk away scot-free. 
And look, honestly, it's unlikely that they're going to walk away entirely scot-free, but it, it pokes holes in the DFEH's ability to even get through the investigation at all. And quite frankly, all of this smells very corrupt. The fact that they got off with $18 million and the fact that the California agency totally bungled the investigation and they have to start over definitely just looks funny. So now I'm relying on the other two agencies. I believe it's the SE, uh, SEC investigation and the investor investigation, which, again, is not highlighting harassment, but highlighting misleading investors. Now I'm relying on those investigations to really hold Activision Blizzard accountable. And that's relative, you know, that's not I'll, I'll get into it further. That, but that's that's not, you know, deterring anyone from bad behavior. Just earlier this week, Activision announced that it's firing 20 employees over harassment. Now, this is coming from Business Insider via the Financial Times. Quote, Francis Townsend, Activision's chief compliance officer, told the Financial Times that a months-long investigation had determined certain employees had exhibited patterns of misconduct that justified termination, while others were reprimanded for behavior the company believed could be addressed through additional training. Townsend also told the Financial Times that most of the conduct happened off-site at events involving alcohol and that several game developers and managers were let go, but that no one from Activision board was fired. So on top of that, this week they're looking as if they're cleaning house and the other side, that being the government agencies who are holding these event investigations against them, look bad all in the same week. That's not good, man. That's not good. And I don't like that they get to flaunt that like, oh, we're firing these 20 employees and we're reprimanding. They said they were putting another 20 in additional training, as they said. Look, man, the fact that they were there in the first place is a problem. Why were they in those positions in the first place? I'm mad that these companies have to be incentivized to do this research. And the fact that these 20 people were just hanging out through all of this time is disappointing. I hope that that clean house gives some comfort to a few of the people who are still in that building. And quite frankly, I'm just, I'm worried that Activision Blizzard is going to get away with this. I'm concerned that they are not being made an example of for other companies like Riot and Ubisoft. Like, straight up. Like, this investigation is about justice, 100%. If we don't get justice for the victims, it's a moot point. But I think many of us hoped it would also act as a deterrent for this behavior. Like, you won't get hired because you can affect our stock price. If, we, if people find out that I hired somebody who's sexually harassing my staff, it could tank my stock and no one wants to hire you. I don't want that to be the only incentive. I want it to be like humanity and like, you know, the fact that we don't want people being harassed in the workplace regardless of what they're producing, regardless of what what job they have. It feels like no one is concerned with either the victims or preventing them from, you know, be, having more victims. I hope that we can find ourselves in a place where us as consumers can hold Activision Blizzard accountable, but I also hope that our government uh, starts to hold them more accountable as well so that we can prevent more victims from being uh, victimized at these companies. I, I think a lot of people just want to do their job and go home. Some people want to just really do great work. You know what I mean? 
And that's really unfortunate that we're in a place where these guys potentially can get away with it. But you've heard what I think. I want to hear what you think. Go ahead and holler at me. Come join us and be a part of a growing community. Don't forget to support the show. Don't forget to hit me up and tell me what you think of this Activision Blizzard situation. Tell me what you guys are thinking about the DC fandom that we just had last week. How are you feeling about the Marvel stuff that we just got? And all this game release news. Those of you that were excited about Elden Ring, how are you feeling about the delay? And what are you going to be playing in February? For the rest of you, once again, please don't forget to write into the show. You can write into our Gmail. That's wackops at gmail.com. W-H-A-C-K-O-P-Z at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter and on Instagram. Wackops, that's W-H-A-C-K-O-P-Z. And again, subscribe, share, download, and review. If you're showing love, I need the sub. If you're trying to holla, I need the follow. And if you enjoy the content, don't forget to comment. And if you're liking what we do, download, share, and review. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever else you enjoy podcasts. Last couple things I wanted to tell you about before we get out of here. That is our weekly Twitter poll. This week's poll with the announcement of God of War coming to PC. What port do you want to come over next? Our options this week are Ratchet and Clank, Bloodborne, Ghost of Tsushima, and Gran Turismo. That, again, is our Twitter poll. Go ahead and follow us at WACOPS and give us a vote. Um, and if you don't see your most anticipated option or what you think is coming next to PC from the Sony ecosystem, go ahead and comment down below. And lastly, as we always do, we're going to leave you with the shout out of the week. This is where we give people their flowers and hold them up high. And this time it's a, it's a Twitter account that we're holding up high this week, y'all. We're giving them their flowers. Doom apparently is now running on Twitter Thanks to an account called Tweet the Number Two Doom. Very excited to see that Doom is still running on every possible thing we can get it to run on. I can't wait to see what somebody gets Doom to run on next. I'm looking at you, Instagram, Snapchat. Y'all better get it together. TikTok. TikTok doesn't have Doom yet, but I'm sure it will be coming soon. So definitely check out that Twitter account. Again, that's Tweet. To Doom, tweet the number two Doom. And it is a turn based like reply for inputs. And people are doing like speed runs on social media. I'm very curious to see how this all turns out. I'm going to go watch some Twitter Doom speed runs. <laughs> Something I never said. Uh, whoever had that on their 2021 bingo card definitely just pulled one. But with that, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. Thank you all for joining us. We'll be back again at our normal time next week, every single Friday. But until then, I am Wack Ops. This is Hardcore Casual. Have fun, be cool, and stay dangerous. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Hardcore Casual. Join us next Friday with your friendly neighborhood news aggregator, WACOPS. You can also follow us on social media at WACOPS, on Instagram and Twitter. Support the show by downloading, sharing, and reviewing. Available on Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, and Stitcher. See you next week.